Good morning, afternoon, and night. You're listening to the CNC replay. I did it right this time. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that was my first try. I'm Chris. I'm Noel. And I am Corey. And oh boy, do two thirds of us love Tom Brady. Oh boy, do we ever. <laughs> I, can, hold on. We need to time out on this because I don't dislike Tom Brady. Yes, you do. I feel like I need to just make this clear. Yes. I like Tom Brady fine. I think he's magic. I think that there is takes a lot for him to lose anything. That being said, you, like you don't like Tom Brady. <laughs> well, I wanted Mahomes to win, and that didn't happen. But that was not Mahomes' fault. That man played his freaking heart out, and nobody else supported him. No, no, I, I would agree. But still, I mean, this this old geezer of a man. I'm not saying I was mad at the outcome. Yay, no. Brady! Mm. Sounds like you're not, I truly was not mad at it. My Sound, Sandy yeah, and I were like- texting the entire time. Mom and I were talking the entire time, and then we were having a great time talking about how a great shout out, Mama Sandy. We love, love you, Mama Sandy. Bravo. Bravo. Absolutely. Bravo. Absolutely. So, yeah, even though this is a uh, Detroit area spot uh, sports podcast, um, we, ha- we have to talk about the big game. And for contractual reasons, we are not allowed to say Super Bowl. Oops, I said it. Yikes. Um, <laughs> so, Noel hates Tom Brady and um, – Chris and I love Tom Brady. How, how how do we feel about how what what did we what did we see from this marvelous Super Bowl that we just that we just witnessed? I can uh, I would like to start this out, and I want to shout out to all the offensive linemen out there in the NFL who get no love whatsoever. It showed. It showed. I know they were missing their star left tackle. If I'm not mistaken, I think they were missing their star right tackle on the Chiefs. And holy cow, was Mahomes running like a oh, go take him to the Olympics not, and put him on the track. There was no way he could stay in the pocket like that entire no, game. No, he had no ability to do so. That was read, the was, most. Oh, I was. No, I was, you can go. I was. I was reading some stat that said that. Before Mahomes, before Tom Brady threw, Tom Brady ran a total of twenty yards, not not counting forward momentum, like out of the pocket scrambles. Mahomes ran five hundred, no, four hundred and ninety-seven yards of scrambling before he threw the ball during the entire Super Bowl. He ran the field five times. Five that, times. That's. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, I did see like. So the Chiefs were moving the ball pretty early on in the game. Um, it was just a little bit of a stalemate for that first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. But th- Mahomes was not completing passes, not to his own fault. Just, I mean, they honestly, they just ran out of luck. I mean, you were seeing Kelsey dropped. You know, he's a for sure, you know, catch for, with a tight end. He dropped a few, like, gimme passes early on. And Mahomes must have done that bootleg scramble for a first down at least three different times in the first half. Um, yep. So... I mean, that's just a quarterback using his legs to, you know, continue on with the game and move his team forward. But I, I have never seen a defense perform the way that they did against the, especially the Chiefs. So like that, like Tyreek Hill in in the regular season matchup in Tampa Bay, mind you, 
had like, I think it was seven receptions for 240 yards. Like it was a ridiculous stat line. Um, and I, I think they held them to under 50 yards in that game. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was, it was definitely a minuscule amount compared to what was going the, if you could give the MVP to, you know, a full like special teams, just give it to the defense because I mean, the front line absolutely decimated the Chiefs' offensive line. Mahomes was uh, there was one play where he got tackled three different ways. Oh, that got, hurt to look at. It, it looked yeah. like my really, neck really painful watching that. It was. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you almost felt bad for the guy, like. Like you just mm-hmm. like take him out to protect him a little bit, but and then he Mahomes is just scrambling all over the place. He's like falling down. He chucks it fifty yards. He he you know he's parallel to the ground and chucks the ball thirty yards down the field and hits his receiver right in the face. Man, I mean that is otherworldly for an athlete yep. to do something like that. So if you are a Chiefs fan or you're a Mahomes fan, Noel, um, or a Tigers it, fan. It's, or or Tigers, yeah. Or Tigers, Tigers yeah. fan. But he's now a this part-time. This is how they convinced me to be able to talk about the Super Bowl for most of this podcast was uh, Brady played for Michigan and Mahomes was a Tiger draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have to. It's We're contractually obligated. Um, but, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan or a Mahomes fan or whatnot, um, it's not a question of if he'll win another. It's a question of how many that he'll win. I mean, cause you're not gonna, you're not going to keep him down and he's only, he's only like 25 years old. He's going to get better. He's going to learn how to scramble. You're going to see, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Aaron Rodgers because I think Mahomes is way more athletic. Um, but I mean, Rodgers learned how to develop an effective scramble, um, throughout his career. And so he could keep playing into his late thirties. Um, and that takes time that takes maturity and Mahomes is just, he's going to, He's going to build with that. He's going to mature in that, and he's going to do, you know, great things in the future of the NFL. But now, mm-hmm. now for the goat, what underdog at home, three and a half point spread. The man had already been to nine super. It's his tenth Super Bowl. He's playing at home. Why? Why do you people doubt this man? <laughs> and like people always say. People always say, well, Brady's teams are carrying this. I will give you this is probably the most talented team Brady has Brady has had up and down across the board. Um, however, the man is still 43 years old. My dad is 57. We played pond hockey this weekend, and every time he fell down, it it, it seemed like he was gonna shatter his bones. I mean, like you get you're 40, your life's basically over. Tom Brady just won his seventh. Super, I haven't won seven of anything, let alone Super Bowls. I mean, and he played a flawless game. He was 20 of 26 for 200 plus yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Yep. Oh, but the team carried him, blah, blah, blah. Well, you also have to throw the ball and look good doing it. And Tom Brady had a two and a half, two and a half uh, second uh, from throw to receiver i think I, I don't know what that exact stat is called but like just release a release point of two and a half seconds which is the fastest ever recorded in the nfl for this season mm-hmm. man's 43 years old what what are you gonna do he's gonna play till he's 53 how many super bowls he's gonna have he's not gonna stop at seven no good grief. he even said he's not gonna stop he said he could oh. see himself playing past 45 which means at the minimum two more seasons 
And I and here's the other thing too. There I do not see anybody leaving on the Buccaneers this year. I don't. No. I don't know why. I don't know why you would leave. You just Tom Brady comes into play. You have that winning mentality. I, what they said there was a stat at the end of the Super Bowl, and they said that uh, the Buccaneers had the lowest winning percentage across all four major sports historically. For the for all four major sports, the Buccaneers have the lowest win percentage. Tom Brady has the highest win percentage across all four sports, goes to the Buccaneers. Now, granted, the Buccaneers was a much better team before Tom Brady came. They weren't at their big slump. Turns the Buccaneers into now not only just a great team, but a phenomenal team. Leads them to the Super Bowl. And you have more to come. This is just year number one. This is just year number one. Year number, the man had no preseason New team, new system, COVID rules, and I get it. Everyone's dealing with COVID, but the the man was on another team last year. He had to learn a whole new system, whole new cadence, and easy peasy. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to win it. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna yep. win it convincingly. Mm-hmm. Now, and we're gonna look awesome too. Now, very lopsided penalty calls. I get that. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I I was sitting there. I'm like. <sighs> That's uh, questionable, yeah. but still, you have to overcome that, and that's something that the Lions have never been able to do, overcome those no. penalty calls. Um, but you lost 31-9. to nine. Penalties, are, are, that's, okay. not, that's not the reason you lost. I'm sorry. If you would have told me, anybody, if anybody would have walked up to me and said, the Chiefs are not scoring one touchdown in the entire Super Bowl, I would have said, yeah, you're, you are insane. You're crazy. Don't talk. Yeah. Anything else you would have said probably would have took it with a grain of salt. The Buccaneers. And I understand the Buccaneers has the best defensive line in the league right now. Statistically, Mm -hmm. they have the best defensive line in the league. You're going up against now a weak offensive line. It showed tremendously. But you still have people like Devin White. You still got Freak. people like Devin White. Sean Murphy holy, Bunting. Yep. Holy cow. Holy cow. You held the Chiefs to zero. Zero touchdowns. And you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And Sammy Watkins. Let's not forget about Sammy Watkins, who the Lions could pick up. He's affordable. He's a free agent. Think about it, guys. I'm throwing it out there just off off topic. Think um, more more Corey. I know Noel, you don't know as much about football, but Corey, hear me out. The Lions pick up Sammy Watkins. Okay. That doesn't move the knee. I mean, this is this is a rebuild. But I Noel, I want I want to hear post Super Bowl, what are your thoughts? Post Super Bowl, I am disappointed, obviously, in the production level, even if I knew that the Buccaneers were going to win, like I was rooting for the chiefs, but I knew the bucks were going to win. That's just, I had made peace with that in my head. I disappointed with the output of the chiefs. Um, I don't know what happened, but they were not themselves that entire game. And they, I mean, it showed it, it showed that when those key, those couple players are out there, 
chemistry was gone. I don't know if it was nerves. It doesn't make sense that it was nerves because they were here last last year. I don't know. I was disappointed in that. Um, happy for Tom Brady. Him and his family are super cute. So that was fun to watch post. Um, I think it was also fun that Gronk got, was it two touchdowns that, yep. that I remember the first two, right? Yeah, I just think that was fun. The the two the boys coming from the Patriots and continuing what they started. I don't know. All around good. Good for the Buccaneers. Not so much for the Chiefs. I, I it, I'm stuck in the middle. On it what it just doing. shows you how hard it is to repeat in any sport. I mean that the Chiefs were the the closest team to doing so, and yet they. I mean the closest team to doing so they lost by a lot, but still you make it, you win the super bowl and then you make it back to the super bowl the next year. That's an mm-hmm. impressive feat within itself. Um, yeah. Now the last team to do that was also Tom Brady's Patriots. So yeah, just again, shows you and builds to his legacy, but we've already been talking about that quite <laughs> a bit. And I, again, <laughs> you can, anybody can come challenge me on the internet. You have no argument. He's going to come back next year. We know this now, and he's going to he's going to hold every statistical, um, like every major statistical quarterback record in the book. Touchdowns mm-hmm. are coming. Completions are coming. Um, what more? What more do you want? You want him to just grow a third arm and start throwing two footballs at at, at the same time? I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people would file that under the cheating category and we don't need that again. Oh, correct. Yes. We don't need to talk about, no, we don't need to talk about content. No, this is just talk. Hey, I had to. (laughs) She had had Hey, to bring up, to bring up another sour note and to bring it a little back to Detroit. uh, There's one thing I do want to talk about. Um, I'm very excited for this rebuild because the Lions had no hope as of a couple years ago. Now teams and players might see that the lines are on the uptrend. However, need not remind. I think it was two years ago. We signed deal had Rob Gronkowski. It was a signed done deal. The lions <laughs> traded for Rob Gronkowski. Oh, and they had Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. They had a package heard the news and instead retired. He said, I would rather never play football than play for the Lions. This man then comes out of retirement and catches two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. As painful. He pulled a uh, Detroit Legends uh, without even playing for Detroit with retiring early. So that should tell you something. Yeah. Oh, 1000%. But. Nothing we can do now but grow because you can't do nothing from the bottom but go up. So exactly, this is the good thing. We're tired of being mediocre. We're coming back up, and maybe I don't get me wrong. I love T.J. Hawkinson, and I think he's a better tight end than Rob Gronkowski. I think they just have chemistry. Yeah, Whoa. I said it. I would rather. I, ra- I would rather have. I would rather have T.J. And that's maybe that should be a poll for this week. It, would you rather have TJ Hawkinson or Rob Gronkowski if you were to have a football team for just one season, the next season? I would rather have TJ Hawkinson. Whoa. Yeah, I would big news. Agree. But that's that's okay. fine. You're wrong. Uh it's <laughs> <laughs> but uh I I have a lot of faith. I think uh, that's the thing. Rob Gronkowski, you have that you have that chemistry with Brady for dear lord, how many years? 
what was it? Are we going on 15 years? When did Rod, when was Rod Lone second? That's too long. I think it was. Yep. I think it was like eight. Okay, because he was Rob, he was in that he was in that second Super Bowl that uh, the Patriots lost to the Giants. You're right. It is eight years. He okay. was drafted by the Patriots in 2010. Yeah, I believe. Yep, eight years. Eight years of Tom Brady, but still, in those eight years, that'll make any player good. That would make any player good. <laughs> but well, yeah, moving on to fun news that also happened during the Super Bowl. Speaking uh, of early retirements, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'd like to big shout out to Calvin Johnson for making it into the Hall of Fame. Good Yay. job, buddy. Well deserved. That was a touchdown. That was a touchdown catch in Chicago. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We all know it. Now that's when the refs actually took a game from us because that yeah. was some they pulled some rule no one ever heard of out of their rear end and they're like, Oh yeah, um, that doesn't count. And we're like, why? And they're like, Because you're the one. We're like, okay. That's literally <sighs> how that's how the conversation <laughs> argument went. Um I'm sure. Yeah, no, yeah, the league office. I have, I have the audio. I, I'll play it for word you. for word. Got it. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of Calvin Johnson, um, super happy for him. I, I mean, it just sucks that you know his career is had to be, you know, with the <laughs> with the godforsaken Lions. I mean, his rookie season was two thousand eight. So yep. your first taste of the NFL, you don't get a win in your first season. Like that's got to be. And now I'm stuck with these guys for you know however long a rookie deal is um, at that time. Um, and, I mean, he was every bit worth the money. You could mm-hmm. chuck the ball up there in quadruple coverage. And, um, the, I mean, there was still the a man chance. Had magnets he, for hands. Oh, my goodness. He was unbelievable. He played hurt. Very, like it, it was like Stafford. He played hurt all the time because um, he felt like he needed to go out there and perform. Because uh, they both knew that nothing would get done if they weren't out there. Correct. And but like you have to respect guys like that that oh, are willing absolutely. to you know, sacrifice their body. Um, and as we've all seen, it'll you can only take that so much. You know when the team around you is not performing. Um, and unfortunately, Calvin Johnson was you know Barry Sanders 2.0 and retired. You know with seemingly like a you know a few good years in the tank. But um, as far as just the the way that he played. Um, it's awesome that he's a first ballot hall of famer. Um, that's really cool. Um, especially coming from, you know, the lions where, you know, we don't get to talk about good things a lot, at least in the past, you know, millennium. Um, and I, I don't think there will, I mean, Metcalf is a, is a physical freak, but yeah, as far as speed, length, size, I, I, I would put money on it. You're never going to see another receiver with that complete package like Calvin Johnson. And we got to watch him that this was, this was our Barry Sanders, you know, just this guy who was going to do something amazing every time he was on the field. And we got to look back on that fondly and, uh, you know, share those memories and, you know, be happy for the guy. And thankfully it seems like this squabble between the franchise, you know, not paying him his money, his bonus money is going to end soon. I think he's, you know, starting to open the door. And I mean, it's the 
organization's fault. They took the money away from him, but he didn't play. So it's like kind of this weird middle middle ground thing. I have um, seen some stuff that Detroit Lions beat writers have been saying that he's been talking to Mrs. Ford and opening lines of communication again between her and him. And so like, that's encouraging. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially just with, I mean, <laughs> how it all ended. Um, yeah. So, and it, it's good to, it's good for Lions fans to be building upon good news. So it's usually, oh, there's good news, and then we got to go step back like five more steps. But now it's, we got a new regime. That's awesome. Calvin Johnson's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's awesome. Now they're going to repair this broken relationship even better. Um, mm-hmm. So say what you and want about got, the Lions. We got I'll a mouthful of kneecaps. Mouthful of kneecaps. I mean, <laughs> hope. Do I dare say hope? I don't want to because you I don't want to jinx it. So just, no. I'll, I'll just be crushed. I know again, but as far as the way things are going, it's trending in the right direction and be happy in the moment. Cause you're going to be sad sometime down the road. <laughs> I, I do see, I see an uptrend in the lions and it pains me to say that I see an uptrend in the lions because how many times have we said that we see an uptrend in the lions? Uh, too many to count. So, <laughs> oh, it's just, it, I am, it's all good. And we just got to sulk and just sit there, soak in all this goodness. And hopefully it continues. I really, really, truly do. And you know what I hope it's, doesn't continue? Yes. What? what? The wings losing. Look at that spinoff. We got a W. We got, we, we got it. <laughs> By three, we didn't blow a three-point lead. Where in Florida, you? it doesn't happen. I was, I was eight games, behind. <laughs> eight games. Behind. That was the first time we had won a game in Florida against the Pan- Panthers. Right, that's who we played. Yikes! Yep. Yeah, against the Panthers since 2018. <laughs> 2018, guys. That's gross. I know. I hate that. Yes, but, but we won, but and we Giovanni won. Smith. Got a Praise Gordie Howe hat trick. Praise be. This kid, money. if he doesn't stay on the roster, I'm going to personally go and just pick it outside of Blashell's house. Whoa. <laughs> just stand there with a sign. Tell me how you really trick. feel, Noel. That's pretty aggressive of you. I know. I mean, this is going out in public. I can't say too much. Well, I mean, I didn't I threaten to throw a brick through Ford Field if we draft Justin Fields? Yeah, but that's <laughs> not somebody's like house. Feels a little less personal. <laughs> Whatever. But um, yes, the Red Wings finally won. They played some good hockey. Noel, would you like to build off of some of those thoughts that you let us into? Yeah. Um, I well, first of all, when we lost the game before this one, Broman was a scratch. Smith was a scratch. Uh, who else was scratched? Somebody else. I don't know. Obviously, somebody in, of, you know, <clears throat> in wasn't a healthy scratch, or was that the game before? No, that was for this game. Yeah. That was okay. for the one we won. Coincidence? <laughs> yes, very much so a coincidence. But I just, I'm so sick of whatever this reassigning and assigning to the taxi squad, if it's not paper moves. Like today, we had a couple paper moves up and down, which is fine. Like they'll be back. But that one, when they said that they were scratched for the game against Tampa and it's the two guys 
minus Larkin that work the hardest on the ice, that doesn't that doesn't stand. That doesn't make any sense in my head. Giovanni Smith and and Matthias Brome are the two out of three players that get into the game and work their tails off the entire time. They're fun to watch. And sure, they're not produce it like, okay, obviously Giovanni Smith has been, Brome has not, but he's just producing chances all over the place. And Nielsen isn't doing that. Helm isn't doing that. Mm-mm. I don't understand. And they're getting paid uh, most. <laughs> yeah, it, it's unfortunately it's a it's no. A, I understand that it's contract stuff, and I'm just mad about it. Well, no, know. it's not Me just too. contract stuff. It, it's it's it is contract stuff. I mean, because Nielsen is the new abdicator. Um, you're paying him so much money, you you can't healthy scratch him all the time. Um, you could probably get away with it like once a week, or you know, once every few games. Um, so he'll be in and out, but. I don't think he's been playing terribly because he's been buried in that fourth line, but that's a different story. We didn't pay him $6 million to play on the fourth line. We paid him to be our number two center and that just has not happened. Um, but the second thing is uh, that first game in Tampa, which I, we're, this is the one we're talking about. Correct. Correct. Um, a lot of guys came off the COVID list. Um, so you had to find space for Merrill. Um, you had to find space for uh, was Gonger not, he wasn't Gagne. playing. Yeah, Gonjer, Gagne. I, I'm terrible Gagne. right now. Um, who else? Uh, I believe Ernie was on the COVID list before that game. So Zadina, Zadina. So obviously, and you're gonna, Fabry, Fabry. So obviously, you're going to play Zadina and Fabry. Um, but these guys just didn't play for like two weeks. So you know, as soon as they have the opportunity to play, you're going to play them. Um, so that's probably part of the reason why um, Smith Smith and uh, Brome were scratched. Uh, now they did get to play the second round um, or the second game um, because uh, they work hard. And I think everyone can see that Giovanni Smith isn't just a big body. Um, I mean, he's, he's your prototypical what you'd want from a power forward. Um, he makes good plays. He makes smart decisions. And he can kind of muscle his way uh, through the defense, which is kind of in actuality, what Larkin really needs. And I mean, we did, we had a disagreement on, uh, you know, whether or not he should be on the top line and why not, you know, muscle, muscle some space in there because Larkin's electric and all he needs is like a couple inches of daylight and he'll, he'll do something crazy. Um, so it's strange. We do have a log jam of forwards, but in a COVID world, you kind of need it. Um, and, Obviously, the reason for the up and down taxi squad moves is to be cap compliant. Um, and I, I've been reading the Twitter responses, and I was those that same way. A lot of the fans don't understand that this is just okay. We need to stay under the cap and mm-hmm. you know, make sure yada yada yada. And they're like, "Oh, they've been playing so good." Now, if it's a healthy scratch for those guys, then I will be joining you, Noel, at Blashill's house with pitchfork pitchforks and uh, picket signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's also also awesome about Giovanni Smith is that last year he was told that his skating needed to be worked on. Like that was bar none. His biggest weakness was he wasn't uh, quick on crossovers and just was not able to keep up with defensemen and maneuver around him. And this season you don't see him having as many issues. Like his skating has improved exponentially. He's a better skater than Bertuzzi. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
careful what you say. <laughs> There's a hot um, take. I, I love no, I love Bertuzzi. He's he's the second best player in the team, but he yes. falls down so much. Yeah, yeah but he's does. also like a bouncy ball. Like he doesn't stay down for very long. Like there are some guys that take like a hot second to get back up. It's like Bertuzzi just like springboards off the ground and flies back up. I agree. It's the missing Chris. tooth. That's what it is. It's just, it's like a springboard. It helps him get back up a little bit easier. I I don't understand what's happening with it, I with anything that has to do with the Red Wings roster. I like to think that I know something because I'm on a sports podcast and I'm a diehard Wings fan. And I that's probably like the thing I follow the most on a weekly basis. What is going on? I like I I I I want to think that there has to be some strategy behind all this. I like to think that oh, it's because of COVID. It's because of the Seattle draft. Oh, it's because of but uh, no. Do you have a specific <clears throat> no. question, or is it just what? Why was me the healthy scratch? That is speculated because Blashill was sitting him for lack of effort. That is what has been speculated. Which is interesting because he Smells was like finally trade. getting his legs back. Um, I don't think they'd trade him. I really don't. Not it. Not right now. I think in the future, maybe. Yeah, I think if but you're gonna he's trade, like, not. You're he's, range, he's, he's because his production is because his production is low right now. He doesn't have a lot of trade value, and Iserman would want a lot for Mantha. Because when Mantha's good and when Mantha's on, he is worth a lot. Yeah, but he's starting to heat up. I think he's. I mean, those those last two games before he was scratched, or the games leading up to that, were was the best that he was playing all year. I mean, he was scoring, yep. or scoring not at an alarming rate, but he at least was on the score sheet. Um, and it. I mean, it, it's tough to evaluate hockey players uh, because. <laughs> You know, if you're not on the on the stat sheet, you know you could get looked over. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, Mantha's shots those those games leading up to his healthy scratch um, looked. Uh, I don't want high risk is not the word that I'm looking for, but quality scoring chances. That's that's a better <clears throat> term um, yeah. from Mantha, and you know, I don't feel that way when uh, when Helm takes a shot. I don't feel that way, mm-hmm. unfortunately, when Brome takes a shot. You know, half the time. Um, or so and touches the puck, or when he <laughs> or just looks in the general touches, direction of the puck, <laughs> when Nielsen touches the puck. So I, I, so for me, the the healthy scratch was a bit of a head scratcher, no pun intended. Um, but um, I don't know. I this is kind of a theme. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to you know other teams around the league. Sam Bennett, he plays for Calgary. He's a top six forward for them. He got a healthy scratch not too long ago and he was like i'm surprised you know i've been working hard i gotta you know do my thing yada 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 and so i i don't know if this is just a way to wake up players but what this is the third or fourth year in a row where you know mantha has been healthy scratched based on effort so what's going on i mean i don't think anybody has any like even the best red wings insiders don't have any idea of you know it's just oh he's scratched we don't know why and then we'll find out after the game. So it's a it, it really is a mystery for Man- Mantha's mystery. <laughs> That's gonna be a Coming hot button. This topic. Yeah, it's good. It's it's gonna be a hot bucket button button issue coming into the off season. 
I, I I do think, and I will say it again, that if you have Larkin, Bertuzzi, or Mantha, you're going to trade Mantha. Just because, obviously, the history of Bertuzzi's, you got your captain Larkin, and Mantha's that top performer that other teams will look at and be like, oh, yeah, he can score. He's a He can, he can be a team two-way player. But in all honesty, oh, I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know if it'll happen, but... I don't like that he's not getting that he's getting scratched for effort. Maybe they're not saying that he's playing hard enough. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I genuinely have no idea what's going on, and I wish I did. <laughs> that's, the, that's the honest truth. Attention. I I get. I, but what do you? What do I need to pay attention to? I just I'm struggling to focus on something. We hear with this roster is to. What is the strategy behind anything that they're doing? I understand why they're keeping down the younger, all the young roster, like our young prospects that are coming up. I completely understand why we're doing that. We're going to have a big tidal wave of talent in just very short soon comings. But for now, it's just like a or make or break type of, not make or break, but just like surviving type of mentality whenever we're playing a game. <laughs> Granted, the first Tampa game was terrible. The second one, we played a lot better, like a tremendously better than we did the first one. What first Tampa game? We played the Tampa twice. One that we lost awfully. Yeah, I have no recollection. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah what, what, what? We didn't lose five to one that game, did we? No, we didn't. We weren't no. down zero in the first five minutes, were we? No, no, no. That wasn't us. Not the twenty twenty one Detroit Red Wings. No. no. 30th no. place. Uh, don't stop. We're not as bad as Ottawa. I've watched Ottawa play. I was pretty buns. bad. Buns. Yeah. Not like, not like, not my, my Blackhawks stink. Chant. No, like the, the senators are actually bad. Like it's, it's, it's painful to watch. Um, I do want to bring up one more thing. Uh, just talking about Mantha. Um, it, it, it honestly might just be one of those change of scenery things that is best for the player. Um, I don't know what you're going to get. So I, I'm pulling up. You guys know who Kevin Hayes is, correct? Yes. Okay. So a bit, a bit of a different, you know, uh, comparison because Kevin Hayes is a center, um, but big body. Um, I, I he wasn't a prolific goal scorer um, with the Rangers, but he was a productive player. But not a whole lot of people were expecting the return that the Rangers got from. I, w- I believe he went to Winnipeg for. Um, a first round pick, maybe, maybe a couple other consent or, uh, uh, like mid rounds. I don't know. I can't remember, but I do know the majority of that. Like the big piece of that trade was a first round pick and, uh, he played pretty well. Um, it says, you know, he had, he had five goals, uh, seven, seven assists, 12 points in 20 games. So like not bad productive in the postseason and then he goes and signs in philadelphia and people were kind of scratching their heads there um in 69 games he had 23 goals um which is second most for his career um and he had 41 points um and he's kind of picking up uh production right where in 13 games he has six goals and five assists 11 points total um and his plus minus is much better uh this year than in previous years so um Kevin Hayes looks like a completely different player. I, I, he's scored. I, I believe he scored in four or five straight games for the for the Flyers this year already, and I think he leads their team in goals right now. I'm not sure. We'd have to double check that. But um, mm-hmm. perfect example, big body guy needed to change of scenery. That's what 
maybe Mantha needs, and maybe that could be good for us as well, getting a first-round pick and some other picks out of that if we're not going to be competing for at least another season or two. But it's the contract thing. He needs to be playing better. Um, but as we've all said before, trust the Iser plan. Yep, 1,000%. And that's, that's I, I, I really do. I think the Iser plan will show that Mantha gets traded at some point. And I'm okay with it at the end of the day. It's going to be it's going to be for the better 1000%. We're going to have a lot of continuous growth. I think we're more hope than the Lions. Yeah, really. <laughs> Sorry. Who doesn't have more hope than the Lions. Noel, is there anything you'd like to add? Um, no. My only concern is that if that we get rid of Mantha, what actual talent do we have that's not on any other team would be a second or third liner. Um, Zadina. So that's okay. But then you just have Zadina and Larkin on the top line. Like that's, that's my fear. Like I, I, we need more depth on our wingers. We need more talent on our wingers. Um, and yeah, so that's, those are my only thoughts. Um, I did want to cover something else that happened in the league. That's really exciting for me. Um, just because it's something new and it's something fun. And I think it's a step in the right direction. And that is that the Toronto Maple Leafs, ew, um, (laughs) have officially partnered with the PWHPA, um, which is the professional women's hockey players association. Um, and they're going to host their dream gap tour, which is I, with everything, in women's women's hockey, just in general. Um, that's an entirely different segment that I could get on for a while, but I won't. Um, I think this is great. I think that this is a step towards an actual women's league being formed. Um, and I, for one, would love the wings to hop on this. I think that the Metro Detroit area is a hotbed for young hockey talent just in general. Um, yeah. But also for a lot of girls camps. Um, I know that that is something that the, the wings have tried to initiate and tried to push forward is a lot of um, girls camps and girls trainings. And I think that having a women's team based in Detroit would be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love rooting for that. I would love seeing some of those big names be in, be in Detroit. Um, And so we already have, so the Toronto Maple Leafs have, have, uh, partnered with them and as have the Rangers. So that is two original six teams uh, wings. We can be the third, right? Yes. If you, if you want to get a campaign started um, and build momentum for hockey, whether it's women's or not, uh, Toronto, Ontario is where you need to start. Uh, so getting the support from the Maple Leafs is huge um, to, to push this thing forward. Um, and I think it's also very important that not only do you have another original six team that's uh, behind this, um, but also another big market. I mean, the the New York city market is probably the biggest, if not uh, the biggest in the United States, if not the biggest in the world. I mean, you could, that's, that's a very Americanized way of thinking, but um, just, you can't understate how big of a deal that is to get that support. Um, And just from a situational and um, cultural standpoint, uh, Detroit would be a no-brainer as well, considering that um, the travel league scene um, for boys and girls is huge. I mean, 
you could not even follow travel hockey and you could realize that honey baked ham, little Caesars are the top two travel leagues uh, or the top two travel teams in, in the state. Um, and bell tire as well. You can't forget about them. So like, it's just kind of that, you know, you don't even follow it, but you know, like, Oh, my kid plays for bell tire. Like, Oh, this kid's sick. He's nice on the ice. Um, and honestly, I mean, these, these women rock, they can, they can, I, I, I remember watching the, the gold medal game, um, from the last uh, winter Olympics. I was losing my mind. I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the player who made the game winning goal, but that was the nastiest shootout move I've ever seen men's or women's it, 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 I mean, given the circumstance, you know, gold medal, Canada, USA, it was absolutely disgusting. And I'm in my apartment or I'm in my apartment, college, college age. And like, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was so cool. So if this is, a, I mean, if we can channel that excitement into, you know, a female league, that's going to do exponent. Like it's, it's going to take an, a new women's league forward in exponential heights um, to realize that, you know, I mean, this is this is not, uh, you know, I I, I want to make this sound right. This is entertaining hockey, no matter, you know, if it's men's or women's. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's hockey to the core, and it's great. It's fun to watch. WNBA tried that, but I mean, just comparing the WNBA to the NBA, um, uh, the athleticism just. And the athleticism and the excitement just isn't there, but I think with hockey, you can kind of, that gap is a little bit closer together, I would say. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And even bringing up the WNBA and the NBA is a, an interesting thing because their partnership is so close yes. because the partnership between cities that share teams are so intertwined with each other. And you, you see the men's league supporting the women's league and vice versa. Um, and just being the kind of like the brother sister things that you had in college, like you were just there to support them. Mm-hmm. And if, if the NHL and the PWHPA can kind of figure that out and have the same support system, I think that that would create a really awesome system. Yeah. Just like a really awesome environment for, for both teams. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Just the only downside is, is I mean, the NHL is definitely plays fourth fiddle to the four majors uh, in the United States. So uh, they're already behind the eight ball with their men's. So they with their men's leagues, so they'd be even further behind um, in the women's league. So you'd really have to rely on those strong hockey markets like a Michigan, like a Toronto, like and so it would probably be a mostly northern league. Um, but that doesn't matter because those communities are crazy. Like having a women's hockey team in Minnesota would be nuts. I mean, look at their, their, I mean, their, their high school boys tournament is known throughout the entire nation as being one of the most entertaining sports spectacles on planet earth. Um, so it's going to start small. The support is going to be, you know, with a couple of teams, but still, if you're smart about it, you could give yourself a good head start. Yep. Absolutely. So that was all I had to say about that. I'm just excited. <laughs> I think it's a great step. And sure. I want more. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely. Uh, so we got football. We got we got uh, we got hockey. 
Derrick Rose got traded. We're going to the Pistons. They thought they could sneak that past us during the Super Bowl. No, I was looking at the ticker. I saw the trade. I know. I sent the article this morning, and Corey's like, I already saw it. Eh. Yeah, I saw the trade. Um, So, yeah, what do we think? I'm not upset with it. I'm not. Derrick Rose is on the tail end. He's... He's not he's not the Derrick Rose that we used to know. He uh and hey, we got something that looks like to be pretty decent for him. And I'm not upset by it. That's just my two cents. I really I really think that we got a we got a, a good end of the deal and that we weren't by any means losing out on some something miraculous. I mean, he is a big name. That is something good in Detroit to have, especially to bring fans in, but at the end of the day, we're going to need to rebuild this team. And people like watching teams win than they watch liking superstars lose. So I, I'm excited to see what Pistons do with it. But I think I should take it to one of you guys to who probably knows a little bit more about the trade than I do. Um, a little disappointing um, just because the rumors from last year was, were saying that uh, the Pistons could have gotten a first-round pick for Derrick Rose. So obviously not getting that is a little disappointing. But they do get a second. Um, and Dennis Smith Jr., um, he was drafted by the Mavericks. Um, it was on the, I was believe it was the all-rookie team uh, in, yeah, 2017, 2018 all-rookie team. Um, and he's only 23 years old, so um, averaged the most points in his career, averaged uh, in his rookie season with Dallas. Um, he had 15, 15.2 points a game, um, and he, he left Dallas. He went to the Knicks, um, and in his first – um, I get well in his time with the Knicks because his stats are split half and half. He averaged 14.7 points and then he tailed off quite a bit last year, only averaging five and a half, and this year only averaging three. Um, so I mean, we've been talking about change of scenery for this whole episode, um, but maybe he needs a change of scenery and just a, an opportunity to play every day. I mean, look at Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant wasn't the Jeremy Grant we know now um, before he came to the Pistons. Um, so young guy, um, 23 years old, still has some time to develop and, you know, get that playing time that's crucial at that age. And maybe he can turn into something, you know, maybe he, he, he'd be a lottery ticket. I understand. Um, but you need young players when you're rebuilding on a, on a, an old roster, older roster, and uh, Dennis Smith fits the bolt of the bill. And if he stinks, you have another second round pick, and hopefully you can, you know, find a diamond in the rough there. So, yeah. not not too. I mean, a little disappointing, but also it's. I I I, I I'm I'm just I'm just not sure. You know what else you were going to get uh, for Derrick Rose, and that's probably the best they could have gotten for him. I I fully agree. Noel. Yeah, um, I don't know too much just about the NBA's kind of trade world and stuff. Um, like Corey was saying, it would have been nice to get a higher round pick um, back when we could have. Um, but given what he's been for this past season and what we got out of it, I think it's fine. It'll just come down to what the draft looks like and who we can get uh, for that second rounder. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. It, it's just it, it's tough because um, again, if you don't, uh, 
I've said this multiple times before. If you don't have a bona fide superstar, you're not going to compete in the NBA. And obviously, Dennis Smith Jr. is not a bona fide superstar. But if you put the right pieces together, you can have a competitive team um, and maybe win a round or two in the playoffs. Um, not this year, obviously. But if the Pistons keep playing like they play against good teams, that just makes – I mean, I'm not sure if I should like be happy, laugh, or just kind of like be angry like because – they beat the Lakers at home this year, and they had a chance to go for the season sweep, and they took them to double overtime. Um, uh, and then LeBron was just like, you know, I've had enough of this, and you know, took over the game like LeBron does. Uh, um, but nobody could say that they're gonna. They could have swept the series against the Lakers. I mean, especially the Lakers now. Um, so, and, and this isn't the first instance of the Pistons playing well against you know really good teams uh when the warriors were only had nine losses um a couple years back the pistons were one of those losses and the pistons were not any good so i i I, like i like that mentality that's something you can build off of um but just getting that consistent why can't we do that against bad teams and have that oh i hit my mic um and why can't we have that uh, reputation of that time to go to work Pistons from like the, the 2004 Flip Saunders era when, when again, we're beating around a Lakers team. They had no business beating around in the 04 NBA Finals. Um, yeah. If we can get back to that, that'll bring some excitement back to Detroit basketball, even though they played <laughs> in Auburn Hills, Michigan, but now they're in Detroit now. <laughs> Well, we have a chance tomorrow night to beat a good team with the Nets. I am, um, I know the look. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That's that's the thing. The saying is, it's it'd be crazy. I I I hope so. I hope we beat the Panthers again tomorrow night, and I hope that we also beat the Nets tomorrow night. It's going to be a double a double Detroit Tuesday. I wonder if it's one of those things where bad teams play up because they have to when they're against good teams to even be a part of the game. But when they play bad teams, they can play at the level that they're used to and just be bad. Yeah. That's, that's and so, and so even if they're arguably better than the bad team they're playing, that bad team is playing better because we're pulling them up by being slightly better than they are. These are things that I think about. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I agree. And that's probably why the Lakers had a tough time with the Pistons because they're like, we're playing the Pistons tonight. We don't need to go that hard. And they ended up losing one of those games. And then they're like, again, oh, we have them at home. We don't need to play that. And then they took them to double overtime. And then LeBron had to step in and be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try now. And he tried and then they won. Um, I think that is absolutely a real thing that happens. Um, I think I mean, especially we see with the wings every year. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's I don't want to talk about it. Sweeping the Habs? What? <laughs> the, <laughs> and the Habs lost to the Senators this year. Nobody knows what's going on. Why can't why can't the Canadians beat bad teams? It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Oh boy. So we got Tiger Talk? Is that, is Tiger, that talk. Tiger Talk? And Tiger the talk. only thing that's happening is spring training camp is coming, which means we're gonna see big torque. Big Torque's coming to the field. 
I will say this uh, important MLB uh, news I've been reading. Um, it looks like COVID safety pr- protocols are being agreed upon now as we speak. Um, and we will probably still see seven inning double headers, which is just a monstrosity on the game of baseball. Um, oh, no. But uh, Universal DH, which worked out pretty well, I guess that's going to be in the thing. I haven't heard uh, set in stone whether expanded playoffs or not, but I would like to think that that's going to happen as well. Just more revenue for Major League Baseball and more more reasons for teams to be mediocre and still make the playoffs, which owners really love that because owners are cheap. But that's another discussion for a different time. Um, and also saw today uh, breaking news from ESPN. Uh, they're going to reduce the juice in their baseballs. So there was this big conspiracy theory that the baseballs are juiced and pitchers were giving up home runs at an alarming rate. And they confirmed that today. Major League Baseball. Yes, because they're like, oh, we're going to unjuice the balls because there was too many home runs. So what does that mean? They're going to like take padding out the ball or something or uh, the, the way that the baseball is designed um, or any, you know, spherical object uh, for that matter. Um, so like a tennis ball, right? So like a tennis ball is going to go further than a baseball. If you hit it hard because it's, you know, a, a sure. science and whatever. So the way that the baseball was designed, they were juiced um, so that they could get extra movement or extra, you know, length on, on hits and stuff so um major league baseball came out and said hey we there's too many of that there's too too much of that so we're gonna tone it down a bit so they're gonna redesign the baseball to unjuice it and uh equalize it i don't know but that's (laughs) this was a player conspiracy going from justin verlander to trevor bauer to all these other big name pitchers and now it's confirmed so (laughs) so i think what you're going to see this year, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a, a lot of pitchers that are going to have some career years and uh, a lot less home runs. So if there's any bets for uh, under, like the home run, like I just bet the under for the home run king for this season. Just do it. No juice ball. No juice. Ball. Do you ever mess up so bad that you have to redesign the entire entity of your sport? Like that's. Major League Baseball is the king of that. Oh, They've been shooting yeah. for years. They elected nobody in the Hall of Fame this year. You know that? I did. They got all, that was they got stupid. All, they got all these old, stupid baseball writers who think they're smarter than everybody, and they're like, no, I'm." there is multiple people that sent their ballots blank, didn't vote for a single person. No one deserves this honor. It's like, what? There's guys that didn't eat, like – there's guys that are tools in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm not going to campaign. I'm not going to name any names because we're going to publicize or you know publish this. Give Pete Rolls the Hall of Fame. Sorry. Oh, I said. Yeah, that. like Pete. That's a perfect example. Pete Rose bet on baseball. That's bad. I understand. But you're not putting him in the hall for how good of a guy he is. You're putting him in the hall because he's the MLB hit king. That's just embarrassing. He bet on his team, though. He didn't bet against his team. He bet that he was going to win. That's it's, the thing. There's it's discre- there's discrepancy there. I don't I don't know. I honestly don't care. But made the baseball writers are like, uh, he bet on baseball, so he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's like you're not voting him in because he's a good guy. No one thinks that you're going to vote him in because he's a great player. 
Well, all right. Where do you draw the line between what a good guy is? Is it just is it just uh, betting, or do we go into felonies and a lot of the players that have been kept in the league because of felonies? If we're going into felonies, I don't think anybody's making it say. to the NFL Hall of okay. Fame. No, and, and I think there is a line, and I think I think the players and MLB will correct itself like that. So there was there was a. There was a major league pitcher. His name is Felipe Vazquez. He was a he was a great relief pitcher for the Pirates, and uh, it was reported that he had relations with a uh, a thirteen year old. Holy cow! Kicked out of the league. Pedophile. He's you never- can call him a ke- pedophile. It's oh fine. yeah, he's he's definitely a pedophile. Kicked out of the league. Will never play in major league baseball ever again. Good. Good. Absolutely, hundred percent. Get that guy out of there. But. Betting on baseball, and we're keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. Come on. I know, but I'm just, yes, no, I'm with, I'm completely with you. I'm saying there's a dangerous thing in saying we're not voting him in because he's a good guy. Correct. But there's also some common sense with that. Like if we're, okay, if the guy like murdered 30 people, if he murdered anybody, <laughs> 30 people. <laughs> 30 people is the limit. If Under the that, guy 29, killed, you're fine. If he killed anybody, maybe you shouldn't let him in. But <laughs> I, No, I'm with you. The betting on the baseball is kind of a And he's a your hit case. Like it's not just like some like guy on the front. This is the this is the guy who leads Major League Baseball in hits. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. He retired 100 years ago, it seems like. Yeah. But I'm not a baseball writer. One guy's opinion. So that's all our baseball talk. But exciting, we have we have our special segment from our good friend Noel. Noel, would you like to take it away? Yes. Um. So I'm really excited about this because it combines two out of the three things that I'm stupid passionate about. Um. And that would be reading and sports. Um. The third one's languages for anybody who actually cares. Uh, and so this little segment is going to be Noel's reading nook where I take, um, sports books and read them and review them and kind of give you a rundown of what it's about. Is it good? Is it worth it? Etc. on this little segment. Um, I'm going to try and focus on Detroit books to begin with, um, Detroit focus books. And then if I find something really good, I'm going to branch out into the rest of the sports world. Um, and probably won't stick with the four major sports um, just because there's a lot of content out there that I think needs to be shared. So for today, we have um, a little book that came out two years ago called The Pursuit of Perfection by our good friend, Nicholas Lidstrom. Um, Whoa, notebook's cracking like crazy. Um, So he wrote it um, along with Swedish uh, beat writer Gunnar Nordstrom and Detroit beat writer Bob Duff. Um, And it's basically them writing his story in the third person and then Nick giving quotes throughout the entire story. Um, And it was, I listened to it as an audiobook and it was a really great, um, really great audiobook. It was really well done. Barry Adams did a phenomenal job at narrating. Um, and putting a lot of excitement into the quotes. He didn't make it feel like he was reading a dictionary, which was awesome. And um, so, yeah, highly recommend this one for any 
Um, Red Wings fan, it goes over everything from Nick's beginning as a rookie to the 96-97 season, 98 season, Konstantinov's accident, um, the 2002 championships, 2008 becoming a captain, um, and kind of a little bit of his post-life, and you get it to learn about um, who he, what he's doing now and where he is in Sweden and that kind of stuff. Um, I really enjoyed it because it didn't feel like I was reading a sports stat book. Like I never felt like they were giving me all of the stats on his life. Every couple seconds, it felt much more like a story, um, which I really appreciated um, because my eyes cross whenever you give me a lot of numbers. Um, a couple things that I found really interesting while I was reading this um, was when he was drafted, the, the um, uh, draft guy, who, who was the recruiter for that season? Hold on. Was it Hopkins uh, Anderson? N- no. Okay. Um, Neil Smith. Okay. Neil Smith um, was the uh, European scout for uh, Nick's draft year, and he was trying to keep Nick on the down low as much as possible because back then we didn't have social media. YouTube wasn't a thing. You weren't allowed. You couldn't share uh, uh, tape and stuff of players as easily. You had to be either in person to see them or you had to have a direct line to the person who had tape. Um, And so Smith, when asked about Lidstrom, like skirted the subject as hard as he possibly could, like was not talking about him was like, I don't, who's that guy? I don't know. Um, and so they took him in the 53rd, uh, in the 53rd slot and everybody was kind of like, who's this guy? And then the second he got onto the ice, everybody was like, where did you find him? Obviously. I mean, he's, he's, uh, arguably the greatest defenseman of all time. Um, is, another, should be. Yeah, Not I know. <laughs> um, another thing that I found really interesting, um, especially as somebody who, like talks about and researches the Colorado and Detroit rivalry for as much as I have that I didn't know this aspect of this story was that players who had previously been on either Olympic teams or international tournament teams together that were on both teams. So like Forsberg and Nick Lidstrom were really good buddies. They did not talk the entire time during the Colorado Detroit rivalry in the nineties because Lemieux uh, would like chew people out for talking to each other for fraternizing, even, even during like all-star games and stuff like they were not allowed to, to have, yeah, to have interactions. And so I thought that was a insane, but B what a weird dynamic. (laughs) I didn't know Claude Lemieux had that much pull. I always thought he was just like, like the brute force of that rivalry. And it says, so Forsberg was interviewed about it. And in the book, he, um, he goes to talk with him was totally taboo. I remember a situation in which we had been in Detroit and my line mate, line mate, um, Kameski chatted with another Russian player outside the dressing room after a regular season game. He got an earful from Claude Lemieux on the team bus after we left Joe Lewis arena. I was pretty new on the team then and thought, Hmm, I'd better not speak to any of the Swedes. So like, I don't know if that was just his rookie mind saying, Oh, don't do this. But apparently if you were fraternizing, Claude, the was going to give it to you a little wow. bit. So like, that's insane. 
Um, also learned that uh, Chris Chelios just knows about everyone. Um, he introduced Nick Lidstrom to Michael Jordan several times. Um, got him backstage at the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert at Joe Louis Arena and got him on stage to speak in front of said crowd at Joe Louis Arena during the concert. Um, and also introduced him to Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr. Mm. Just so if you um, want to know anybody anywhere, Chris Chelios is your guy, apparently. <laughs> um, I want to know Chris Chelios. That's it. That's all who all I right. want to know. Just Chris Chelios. Just him. He's the poll. Um, but I think one of my favorite parts of this was learning just more about Lidstrom and Holdenstrom's friendship um, and just kind of how they grew up in the league together. And, you know, they had the exact same pregame ritual every single time. They went to Andiamo's in Livonia. It's on Seven Mile and Haggerty. Well, it used to, it's not there anymore, but it used to be like ordered with ordered the exact same thing, drove to Starbucks. Um and it's there was there. a yeah, there was Andiamo's. a section. Uh, yeah, that Andiamos. The one that you're thinking <laughs> of, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No um way. they lived like down the street from each other in Novi when they lived here. Uh I mean their kids were on the same teams, that kind of stuff. And I think my favorite story is when they were late to practice um, because Nick was driving and hit somebody while he was turning left and then blamed Holmstrom for it when they got to practice. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, let me just, let me just read this to you. It's hysterical. So this is Holmstrom speaking. I can't read. Yeah, I know. Um, we stopped at a Starbucks when we live where we lived before getting onto the freeway into the city. One morning after we had gotten our coffee, Nick made a left turn onto one of those two lane streets and we bumped into a car from the opposite direction. Couple of scratches on the car, but nobody was injured. I spilled my hot coffee and was not happy while Nick made it out without a drop on him, even though he was driving and holding his coffee cup. I think it was just his hand-eye coordination that kept him from spilling his cup and he could have been steering the car with his knees at the moment. Anyway, he blamed me for the accident accident for not telling him that there was a car in the turning lane. I was supposed to be the lookout. Not true. I was in the passenger seat and far away from the side where he was turning. Uh, Nick got to see the side of his captain. A few people could see outside of Lidstrom's inner circle of friends were privy to. Um, so I just really appreciate like Holmstrom being the one guy that can get under his skin. Like, cause you, we, I mean, as fans and as, as people who see him in video, we're always like, oh, the perfect human, the guy doesn't do anything wrong. He's very poised, very, um, collected on screen, always knows what he's saying, very careful with his words. And Holmstrom's like, no, he's an idiot. I love messing with him. It's great. (laughs) Um, and so I just, I really appreciated that. Uh, I think in all in all, I'd give it a four out of five stars. Um, big time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's good. Uh, and I would highly recommend it. I would really recommend the audiobook, especially if you don't like reading all that much. Um, just because the narrator does a really good job, like an awesome job of just telling the story. So that is my little review of the pursuit of perfection. Love it. Read books, kids. Cause big time. Or if you don't, read audiobooks. <laughs> you think you are. Absolutely. 
Well, with that being said, everyone who has made it this far, thank you very much. If you are not following us on social media, please, for the love of God, follow us on social media. Just Our tell us how bad still, we are if you want to. Yeah, like, please. Yeah, you can hate Anything. follow. That's totally yeah. fine. Like, you guys stink. And then love we'll be it. like, no, you. For all of us here at the CNC Sports Pod, which is just three of us, thank you very much. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Yay. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.